Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Gavin, you're going to need to go out for ice and cigarettes because we're going to be here a while. (sighs) The following podcast contains... I am going to have to ask you to watch your language when you're representing the suit. Oh, watch your language, Mr. Dirty Mouth. Watch your language, little lady. Watch your language, Dodge. You know how I hate that. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When your president's top men are convicted felons and you still say he did nothing wrong, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, August 24, 2018. Donnie, are you okay? Are you okay, Donnie? Edition of the show, where we dissect all the president's men and all the crimes for which they will do time. Stay tuned. The What the Hell You Think podcast is brought to you by Freddy's House of Felons for all your criminal needs. Do you need a guy to do your crimes and take the fall? Call Freddy's House of Felon. Our narrative wells and felonious folks are the finest freelance crooks in the country today. Whether you need to funnel millions of dollars in legal cash into a money laundering scheme or violate a raft of campaign finance laws to keep strippers and porn stars from blabbing their whore mouths, Freddy's House of Felons will find you a discreet, trustworthy fall guy for all your illicit emergencies. Our crooks never flip or your money back. Act now and Freddy's get Freddy's conspiracy special. Get two felons for the price of one. Terms and conditions apply. Just call 263-683-5537 and your felons are on the way. That's 263-683-5537. Just whatever you do, don't spell that out on your phone's keypad, okay? Let me just say this. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes. But in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've earned everything I've got. In the summer of 1974, I was five years old. And as a five-year-old, I was concerned with the sort of things one might naturally expect a five-year-old to care about. The biggest drama in my life was Eddie Pinbro, who was a fucking sandbox criminal. I know you took my Hot Wheels, Eddie. I know it was you. Take it easy, Dave. Deep breaths. Now, I was deep in my investigation of missing Hot Wheels, so wheels, so I wasn't paying particularly close attention to politics that long summer. But even with the crime of the damn century going on right there on my playground, I was aware that some shit was going down in the larger adult world. It was impossible not to notice, because every adult was discussing said shit in one of two ways. Either they were very angry because it had happened, or they were very angry because they thought it didn't happen and it shouldn't be investigated. Someone once told me time is a flat circle. And by early August of that summer, it was bad enough that a kid couldn't even watch Sesame Street without Mr. Hooper screaming in Ernie's face about the whole sordid affair. I, uh, I'm going to quote Mr. Hooper here from a memory, I think. I think it was, uh, he called it a, 
A crooked partisan witch hunt led by Democrats who want to sell the country out to the Russians, and I didn't take two rounds of the ass at Anzio so some fucking commie punk like you, Ernie, could sell out of the country like a truck stock hooker sucks trucker dick in a rest area parking lot. Huh? That? What would you wait? What? what do you say? It's possible I'm not remembering that correctly. What I do remember is adults were very, very upset, and many of them were convinced that the entire country was about to come apart of the seams because the President of the United States had done some very naughty shit and was about to get impeached and very likely booted from office. So, on August 9th, 1974, Richard Nixon resigned from office. This is my earliest confirmed childhood memory, and in retrospect, it explains a lot about who I am today and why I have a fake radio show where I yell about politics so much. Just like Mr. Hooper. This long, slow August 44 years after the resignation has a lot in common with that faithful summer of my youth, just accelerated for the world we live in today. Let's try to get a handle on what's gone down just this week, shall we? No, there is too much. Let me sum up. On Tuesday... Paul, Polly Oligarch's Manafort, Donald J. Trump's campaign manager and an architect of his presidential nomination, was convicted on eight counts, including false tax returns, failure to report former bank accounts and bank fraud. The jury hung on 10 additional charges, which will most likely be retried. But as it stands, Manafort is looking at a possible six to eight decades in federal prison for these crimes alone. And let's not forget, this is but one of two trials Manafort is facing. He'll go to court later on this year for charges of money laundering, conspiracy, failure to register as a foreign agent and lying to federal investigators regarding his ties to Russia. Now, I don't know what that means, but it sounds pretty bad. It is bad. And at the same time, literally the same time, Michael low-budget Tom Hagen Cohen was in federal court in New York City pleading guilty to a slew of charges spanning the gamut from tax fraud, false bank filings, and most importantly, federal election campaign finance laws violation vis-a-vis his illegal payments to not one but two women to keep quiet about fucking Donald J. Trump. Ew, that's disgusting! It's corruption. This would be bad enough for everyone involved, but Cohen went one better by stating Very real and legally binding sense that he did this at the direction of individual number one, a candidate for federal office. It could be anyone. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but that sounds to me, a drunk guy with a fake radio show, an awful like conspiracy to commit federal crimes. But you know... I could just be a deep state pawn in a vast conspiracy to install a totalitarian pedo regime, possibly controlled by the Jews or, I don't know, Manny, Moe, and Jack, the Pep Boys? Pep Boys does everything for This on the heels of two separate Republican congressional representatives being charged with federal crimes such as New York Representative Chris Collins, who was charged with insider trading earlier this month. Collins, by the way, first congressional representative to endorse Donald J. Trump. Then, earlier this week, congressional representative from California, Duncan Hunter, was charged with using his campaign fund like a personal per credit card. He would buy such things as Hawaii shorts, a $600 first-class ticket for a fucking pet rabbit, and over five grand in fast food. I was hungry and thirsty. Would you like to guess who the second member of Congress was to endorse Donald J. Trump for president? Duncan. Yep. Oh, and just to decide, do you want to know who the third person in Congress was to endorse Donald J. Trump? Would you like to guess? You want me to tell you? I'll tell you. It was Jeff Sessions. As of today, the following persons in and associated with the 2016 campaign for Donald J. Trump and or his administration, which is only slightly more than a year and a half old now, are convicted of federal crimes. 
Michael Flynn, former national security advisor and Trump campaign advisor. Rick Gates, deputy campaign chairman. Alex Vanderswan, who worked closely with Manafort and Gates, who pled guilty about lying with his contacts with Russia and the Trump administration. Paul Manafort, campaign manager. And Michael Cohen, personal lawyer and deputy chair of the Republican National Committee. You notice the RNC doesn't mention that a lot. This is not counting the indictments and ongoing investigations still in progress. This is a stunning level of criminality and corruption, and it's just getting started. So it leaves us with a nagging question. What the fuck happens next? It took three years for this much dirt on Nixon to bubble up through the filters of the national conscience to the point where people could see it was over and Dick really had to go. It's taken slightly less than a year to reach that point with our current Dick. Now, this should not be misconstrued as me saying that our current situation is anything like the August of 1974. Richard Nixon was a paranoid criminal with zero regard for his oath of office who was caught red-handed breaking the law, but even he could see the writing on the wall. Our current office holder is a criminal dipshit with delusions of dictatorship that can't even read anything but small, simple words written in Sharpie with pretty pictures explaining what they mean in close proximity. He's an idiot. So we shouldn't expect him to do anything remotely like resigning for the good of the country. This is how far we've fallen that we have to fucking look at Richard goddamn Nixon as a role model for proper presidential behavior. It's abundantly clear that Trump isn't going to resign, and conventional wisdom is that Robert Mueller won't indict a sitting president. The Department of Justice has sort of a guideline that presidents can't be indicted while they're still in office, meaning they're effectively immune from criminal prosecutions for any crimes they committed prior to or while in office. It's a little fucked up! Yeah, yeah, it is. So according to the policy, the president could kill a dude, say by shooting him in the middle of Fifth Avenue, and all the Justice Department could do is refer it to Congress for impeachment proceedings. So, uh, what are the Republicans saying about that? I wouldn't hold your breath. Yeah. Let's run down the reactions so far. Feckless Randy and rent boy Paul Ryan said through a spokesperson, quote, We are aware of Mr. Cohen's guilty plea to all these serious charges. We will need more information than is currently available at this point, unquote. Mitch, fuck it, I'm going to win. McConnell said nothing. He just retracted into a shell and released a fecal stream at reporters. Orrin, five years older than God, Hatch said, we, the president, should not be held accountable for actions of the people he's trusted. And Senator Chuck, nothing to see here, Grassley, the head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, you know, the committee about laws and shit, said, quote, All we know is that he pleaded guilty, and everything you're asking me about is speculation. And I don't think we should be speculating. All right, what did he really say? No, that was it. An admission under oath in open court is, quote, speculation, unquote. Retiring Tennessee senator and probable 2020 presidential candidate Bob, consider me part of the resistance, but not really, Corker said, quote, I can't imagine anybody thinking the White House might do to, might do to interfere with Mueller at this point. It would end their presidency. And I can't imagine people who are familiar with what's been going on in the White House are particularly surprised. But I realize the actual statement yesterday makes it real. Personally, I'm not particularly surprised by what happened. I've been here for 15, for 11 and a half years, and I don't think I've witnessed anything like I've witnessed in the last year and a half, unquote. He continued, quote, Probably the American people haven't seen anything like this in modern times. Uh-oh, Bob. You better go easy. Yeah, I wouldn't want to think you might actually fucking do anything. 
So the upshot is we shouldn't expect any surprise outbreak of morals, honor, scruples, sense of duty, respect for the rule of law, or common fucking sense to break out in Congress following these latest revelations. Indeed, chances are they're just going to double down on their stupid. From the official GOP talking points, as reported in the by the Washington Post, Joss Dossie, quote, the official party line stresses that the fact that a plea was entered does not mean there was an adjudication of any campaign finance claim. In plain English, they're insisting that Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, wasn't proven in court to have committed a crime at Trump's direction because he pleaded guilty. Also, it was part of a pattern of lies and dishonesty over a long period of time, and the fact that these lies were uttered on behalf of a sitting president should apparently not concern anybody. Also, the talking points end with a rousing call to end the Mueller probe, unquote. This just got some set of balls it is insane how an entire nation is basically holding its breath while a wobbling 70-year-old flabby fuck teeters along a high wire like a fat out-of-breath podcast host climbing a broken subway escalator. Everyone, or at least everyone who's legally sane and possessing two percent brain cells to rub together, knows he's going to fuck a splat on the concrete before their very eyes, just not when, and who he will take out on the way down because potentially he could take us all down with him. Benjamin Wittes of Lawfare, and one of the best objective observers of the past two years, writes in The Atlantic on Wednesday, quote, In this monoculture, Republican members of Congress won't go to the president and frankly tell him how bad his position really is. I sincerely doubt his lawyers have done so either. Donald Trump knows that he can count on nobody. He can't count on his White House counsel not to slip away from his post and spend 30 hours with the other side taking advantage of the legal team's decision not to assert privilege to make sure that Robert Mueller knows his side of the story. He can't count on his staff not to text Maggie Haberman even while walking out of his office. He can't count on his personal lawyer not to tape him and then defect to the other side and implicate him in crimes to which he pleads guilty. He demands absolute loyalty from subordinates, but he can count on none at all from any of them. It's easy to understand why nobody is willing to approach the Mad King and describe honestly the situation he faces. Indeed, why Fox News can't even deal candidly with his viewership on the subject. The situation is dire, and it's worsening, and saying so would require very tough choices, unquote. In all of American history, there's never been a moment quite like this. I mean, Nixon was well aware how fucked he was. He knew the second the Watergate burglars bungled the job that there was no real way out of the Category 5 shitstorm that was brewing off his coast. The thing was, Nixon thought he could weather it. The cover-up was the criminal equivalent of sandbags and storm shutters. He couldn't stop the shitstorm, but with some preparation, he thought he might come out relatively unscathed. It might have even worked, but the people he trusted to fill the bags and shutter the windows realized they were going to be outside in the weather, and they started talking. Trump, on the other hand, is so stupid, he doesn't even think the weather can harm him. He is assuming the wind will blow around his orange magnificent, and no wave would dare tow down the Mar-a-Lago of his towering int intellect and the unswerving love of the 17% of the American voting public who will turn on him never no matter what. You hear a lot about the unwavering support of the Trump base, how he has stunning levels of approval among self-identified Republicans. The pundit class loves to tout these numbers as a symbol the orange god does not have feet of clay. But those numbers are exactly that, feet of clay. Trump was elected by a nano-thin margin of 77,000 votes across three states. He was and is massively unpopular in this country. And to rest on the sliver of the population that represents his base is... It was colossally stupid. 
and the only a complete fucking moron would believe they could hold on to power with nothing more than what that was parsed out to about 20% of the voting public. All of the numbers about his popularity with Republicans failed to take into account the quiet people who think of themselves as a Republican, but not that kind of Republican. Let's imagine the sort of generic middle-class white American. Middle-aged, lives in the suburbs of a mid-sized city in the Midwest. For the sake of the story, we'll name the family the Middletons. Mark Middleton is a middle management for a medium-sized manufacturing firm, has some mid-cap funds, a mid-range luxury vehicle, and isn't overly conservative, but certainly doesn't think of himself as a liberal. You could say his politics are middle of the road. Mark's wife, Mindy, takes care of the kids. One's about to go to college, and the other is in middle school. I thought it was on beating a dead horse boulevard. The Middletons usually vote Republicans. They voted for Romney in 2012 more out of habit than any real animus or anger at Obama. But for the sake of the median in this tale, let's say they voted for Obama in a way because they felt like change. The Middletons voted for Trump in 2016, but they never wore a MAGA hat or attended a rally. They honestly don't think much about immigration other than the sort of general unease all white people like them have about the idea. But they were suitably appalled at the idea of tearing children away from their parents at the border. The Middletons are mostly busy dealing with the day-to-day of their lives, to pay much attention to the news, but over the past couple of years, it's seeped into the point where they're quietly, in their middling way, disappointed or even turned off by Donald Trump and all the nonsense that's going on with him. Maybe they think back to all the things people said about him in 2016, that they just talked up to election year bullshit as usual. Maybe even the desperation of the Democrats with a candidate the Middletons honestly considered corrupt. After a couple of years of all the things they keep hearing, or particularly the things they keep hearing from Uncle Charlie, the worst of their relatives, the one that he posts disgusting and ludicrous memes on Facebook or long-winded diatribes about deep space and deep states or something called Q or another, maybe the Middletons are just a little embarrassed about voting for this Trump guy and the Congress. Well, the Congress is always terrible. And honestly, Mark said to Mindy, that tax plan, that was just ridiculous. The CEO of his company is using the savings to buy back stocks for the company when they need to expand the company and maybe even hire some new people. And do you know how much he's taking home this year? Mark does because he works in finance. The Middletons are kind of done with the whole mess. And maybe they just wish it would go away. So when the phone rings from some pollster, Because they live in the Midwest and everyone wants to know what they think, maybe they don't answer. Or if they do answer, they don't say they're a Republican. And Mindy may not even be sure she's a Republican anymore anyway, because she's not entirely sure she wants to see Roe versus Wade overturned. So maybe, maybe they call themselves independents now, because they really don't want to, really don't want to, or think of themselves as Republicans anymore, because Republicans are a little too much like Uncle Charlie, who rants about the Jews, and not enough like Mitt Romney. And all of a sudden, the GOP starts getting steadily smaller and smaller. I'm not a scientist or a political reporter or a polls analyst like Harry Enten. Too bad. I think he's just dreaming. So if you want analysis or, I don't know, facts. Well, where are the facts? Facts, not quotes. Facts. Then you should really go to them like I do. But if you want informed speculation coupled with anecdotes, just listen to this. My parents are very much Republican. They voted for Trump because, quote, they could never vote for a Democrat because of abortion, unquote. So don't be looking at them for the next resistance meeting, y'all. 
But both of them are quietly resigned to some rather stunning eventualities, namely that the Democrats are about to win in an awful lot of seats in an awful lot of places they wouldn't even ran in four years ago because Trump is making people stay home. Neither of them plan to vote in the midterms, and both predict that Tennessee, yes, Tennessee, has a very good chance of electing a Democrat in the form of former Governor Phil Bressenden to the Senate this fall. Tennessee! I mean, it's not Alabama, but still, the tide is turning even in the reddest of red states. I mean, a certified MAGA hat-wearing Trump evangelical said things like this, quote, Finding Mr. Manafort guilty was hard for me. I wanted him to be innocent. I really wanted him to be innocent, but he wasn't. That part of the juror, that's part of being a juror, you have to do diligence and deliberate and look at the evidence and come up with an informed and intelligent decision, which I did, unquote. If reality is crashing into a MAGA hat wearing chud like that juror, or my parents, who are not MAGA hat wearing chuds, they don't wear hats, and they're not chuds, they're my parents, and honestly, I've been kind of cruel to them over the years, but if it's sinking into their heads, imagine what it's doing to people like the Middletons. I'm going to go out on a limb here and posit that perhaps our national bender is winding down. Sure, we got loaded, danced on the bar, picked a fight with a biker, and drank those frat kids under the table. But maybe it's time to pay the bar tab and go home. I've had that moment of clarity, folks, when I've been on a really good tear, having the time of my life doing all the crazy shit, only to have that brief moment of sobriety right before I leave the bar with a one-eyed woman with a purse full of meth and a 38 stub nose and her cleavage, and thought, whoa, Dave, whoa, maybe you should call it a night before you do something you can't take back. Well, maybe America started to have that moment right now. They've had a few too many, decided to say fuck the system, and then now they're woken up right before they're about to get in a stolen car and go the wrong way down a one-way while their date is shooting out the window at the cops. No one can look at the past few weeks and months and not see all the threads unraveling from the shitty Trump-landed blanket that is this current administration. But 340 million people are a hard herd to move and it takes time to get them all going in the same direction. A Google Trends chart for the word impeachment spiked in the hours following Manafort and Cohen. Not just in the blue states, but across the damn country. The news is starting to filter through the bubbles and getting into the minds of the middles the same as it did, although albeit far more slower in the 1970s. As more and more comes out, the general consensus shifts and people start to make up their own minds in the face of overwhelming evidence. If I could wave a wand to get people to pay attention, I would, but the world doesn't work like that. So for now, we do what we can do, let the Mullers and let Muller and the law do their job, and we do ours. Things are changing. I actually believe this now. Because despite the hard clot of crazy clogging the GOP arteries, the majority of this nation isn't insane. They aren't Confederate flag-waving, immigrant-hating xenophobes who thinks cops should lynch black people for looking side-eyes at a white woman. Nor are they ready to rise up against the elites and storm the local B of A to loot it down to the floors. Most GOP voters are just regular-ass folks who want the government not to fuck things up, not to charge too much in taxes, and then try to let the future not try not to let the future happen too fast. When politics get it's two in their face. They just bow the fuck out. We've seen it happen before. They bowed the fuck out in 2006 when Bush with the stinky turd clogging in the nation's pipes. And they'll do it again with this mega turd flooding the nation's bathroom. Which is why we need to shut the fuck up about impeaching Donald Trump. You, uh, you want to run that by me again? 
I know a lot of well-meaning people are pretty pissed at the Democratic leadership for not making impeaching Trump a campaign issue. They say they're being weak or afraid to stand up for what's right. They blame Schumer and Pelosi for being neoliberal shills in a corrupt system. And maybe they are, but they're also right. The one thing that will get the Middletons and the people like them out to the polls is if the Democrats say now, without all the evidence in, that they're undoing the 2016 election, and that's just not going to sit well with them. The GOP is desperately trying to make the midterms about impeachment, and so far, almost no candidates are taking a bite of that turd sandwich. They're focusing on messages about local issues, tax cuts for billionaires, and health care. This is a winning message in the flyover, folks. Let them run on that. Let them do what they're fucking know they have to do. Also, here's the other thing. We got to get out and fucking vote this fall, y'all. We need people in the booths clicking buttons for Democrats like they're monkeys with an electrode in their orgasm cortex. It would take a miracle to hold a line in the Senate, but if we get enough out and enough enough of the GOP stay home, then stranger things will fucking happen when a lot of people go out to vote. So, you know, go out and fucking vote, please. For now... Just for now, all we can do is wait, let Mueller do his thing, let the Southern District of New York do his thing, let, God, apparently everybody's suing him now, let the law do its thing, and enjoy this beautiful moment of schadenfreude, where we watch Donnie squirm as his co-conspirators get peeled apart and turn against him, because somewhere deep down inside, Past all the lies, the bravado, the narcissism, and the ego, this is a small, terrified, tiny man. And while he's tweeting from the shitter at 1 a.m. about witch hunts, that is the Donnie that is freaking the fuck out because he knows that even if he's the, quote, most powerful man in the world, unquote, he's really bad at being a criminal, just like he is everything else he's ever done in his life. And in that badness and in that terror, there is some tiny sliver of justice that we can enjoy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. <laughs> that is it for our show this week. Are you tired? I'm fucking exhausted. I've got Twitter branded on the inside of my eyeballs. Last Tuesday was like an Aaron Sorkin montage. Split screens, dramatic beats, unbelievable storylines, all coming to a climax simultaneously. It's the only simultaneous climax I've ever had in my life. I was going to do a non-politics show this week about how no one appreciates Generation X. Then last Tuesday, I was like, oh, fuck. And speaking of expletives, you can cause others to shout them by rating and reviewing the show wherever you find your podcast so they can hear this show and go, what the fuck is this? It's awful. All of my undeleted expletives are on the Twitter, the hell underscore podcast, and the show name on Facebook. And each of the obscenities I call a show are the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave, unindicted co-conspirator Bledsoe, producer Deal Gavin, and all the fictional felons on this show, we want to say, Donnie, are you okay? Are you okay, Donnie? Were you hit by, were you hit by some not-so-smooth criminals? We'll see you all next week.
So she ran into the outer way. It was Sunday. What a black day. Mouth the mouth of hesitation. Sounding heartbeats and terminations. Any of your bouquet. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.